Broadcasting live from the Out of the Boat Ministry headquarters, you're listening to Cast the Net. Now here's your hosts, Matt Hynas and Sean Fraunfelder. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, we want to uh, thank you for another day. I want to thank you for another opportunity to uh, proclaim your word. I want to thank you for the opportunity uh, to grow closer to you. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that you um, use us as your, as your hands and feet today. Uh, Lord, I pray that you be with us during this podcast. Uh, we're going to get into a topic that... Um, some like to talk about, some don't. Uh, there's varying um, degrees of belief on this within the church. Uh, so, Lord, we're just going to talk about, you know, our experiences and also, you know, what you've spoke to us. Um, just because you may have spoke one thing to uh, to me doesn't mean that it's the same to somebody else. Um, Lord, so... So we just ask that you guide this conversation, Lord. We ask that you, um, your presence be with here with us here, um, Lord. We uh, we're so thankful that we uh, get this opportunity to to gather in your name, uh, Lord. I'm so thankful for again an amazing group of of people, uh, individual men, friends, uh, brothers who you've placed in my life. These are guys who challenge me, stretch me, um, keep me on the rails when I want to. Uh, I want to fall off, and this is a topic um, that I have fallen off the rails um, a lot in life, um, Lord. So I, again, I pray that what we say is honoring to you, uh, Lord. I pray that there's somebody out there who needs to hear this, and I pray that there's that you speak through us um, with. Uh, you know, somebody who may be struggling with this topic. And it, and it may not be them. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a kid. Um, so, Lord, um, we're just so honored that you that you use us. Um, Lord, we, uh, we're looking forward to this next uh, half hour, 45-minute hour conversation. Lord, we love you, and we want to pray this in the holy, powerful, spotless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And welcome to podcast number twenty-eight. This is the uh, the Bobby Allison, Texaco Haviland edition. The uh, who is it? Marshall Falk. Yep. The um, Adrian Peterson edition. Um, the 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 handshake of steel edition. You ever heard that by Adrian Peterson? No. He just has a handshake that'll crush your hand. <laughs> I heard his kids say that too. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and we had to go there. Brought to you by Out of the Boat Ministries. <laughs> My name is Sean Fraunfelder. Uh, I, I think I missed the, uh, the the name of the podcast. It's number 28. This is Castanet Podcast brought to you by Out yeah. of the Boat Ministry. Uh, my name is Sean Fraunfelder. Hopefully, Adam can edit this up so it makes more sense when someone listens to nah, it. Yeah, it's going to be more fun leaving it how it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm joined Roll with, with um, my, my running mate, uh, Matt Hynas. Cheers. With some black coffee on this Saturday morning. Yep. Uh, on the soundboard once again is uh, Adam Shine. Hello, everybody. And I got another running mate who's come in for a, a guest appearance because of a um, personal experience growing up with a topic that we're going to we're going to breach into tonight. Representing the North Street High Council. Yeah, 
the silver fox himself. Thank yes. You. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> Jamie Arnett's with us again. Uh, Welcome. If you go back to a couple podcasts, we've had Jamie on here before. Um, Jamie's are uh, are like behind the scenes workhorse. Um, you know, he does a lot of the um, logistics and admin and and website and yeah. just all that organization stuff behind the scenes that um, a lot of people don't take because it's not an out front position and it's not a um, you don't get the recognition all the time. If you get so, a social media response, it's likely from him. If it's a social media post, it's likely from him. If you uh, registered for a giveaway item and you called a number, that was because he set it up. He likely set up the response that you got. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I'm, one, I'm one spoke and a big wheel. That's, <laughs> that's we're we're going to get you a T-shirt that says, OOTB workhorse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it'll have the back picture of, you know, the pin tail on a donkey? Mm-hmm. Remember that pic? It'll have that on the back. You know what I was thinking? I that saw would probably be bestly how my, how my wife describes me. So. I don't know if you guys saw that uh, little meme I sent you the other day, but I think this would be a good one for you, too. And I told my wife I wanted a T-shirt of it. It says, don't treat me like salsa. Treat me like cheese dip. Mm. Oh. <laughs> That'd be yeah. good. Hey, yeah, that's don't right. treat you like salsa. You're the cheese dip. We group. live by a rule yeah. around here. If you can get liquid cheese, you get you liquid, get liquid cheese. cheese. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so um, April seventh, two thousand seven. I had uh, I went up kind of mid morning to um, one of the Malachi's um, Swope's house. We were doing some... He had a an outbuilding that he was building, and um, we went up to help, and there was a good group of us over there. Um, just kind of hung out with the guys that day, and we had plans on going out that night. Uh, there was a, a band that was playing in town, uh, they were acquaintances of ours, friends of ours, but whenever they played locally, we always went. And What's the band's name? Um, Seventh Cycle. I think one of those members or a few of those members have come to Out of the Boat Ministries. I think they've been in and out before. So um, so we uh, we kind of hung out for the day, but we, I mean, we had had this plan, and it was going to be the, the whole slew of us. Now, keep in mind, this is um, pre-belief. Um, uh, at this time, I was a non-believer. There was no out of the boat in 2007. No. No. Uh, actually, in 2007, none of us sitting here, at least with me, I didn't have a relationship with any of you that are sitting here. None of you were there. Um, Jamie was still stuck with me. That's true. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, and I was drinking a lot at that time. How much is a lot, Sean? Let's just give the mm. audience Good a little perspective. <laughs> um, at that time, it's safe to say that I was drunk at least at least twice a week, usually every Friday, Saturday night. Mm. At times, it would have been... 
um, you know, one other day of the week. Um, at that time, too, it was it was nothing for me to drink 15, 16 beers in a day or an outing. And that was a, back in the time when I had to make sure the the pump was prime before I headed out because it was just too expensive to head out. Yeah, six uh, is a stretch, right? I mean, you just, that's kind of pre-gaming, right? Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. That's tailgate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's stretching, so you don't pull you don't pull hammy when you go out. So, so this was this time. So I don't I don't want any listeners who haven't heard the story or don't know the story, um, thinking that this is you know me currently. So again, it's two thousand seven. So we meet, we uh, head out, and uh, April t- April seventh, two thousand seven. That's the Saturday before Easter. Easter was April eighth that year. So Easter was kind of a, a theme that was going on at the time, you know, because it's Easter. So we were there drinking. Um, up to this point, I had already had three OMBIs. Now, that being said, it had been um, nine years since my last one, okay? So I went a pretty good stretch without one. So it wasn't like it was four, bang, bang, bang. The first three, pretty close to one another. So I'd fallen back into the old routine. It'd been so long since I'd been caught. I was drinking and driving a lot. I was living in Nelsonville at the time, which for people who don't live around here... Uh, Nelsonville is about 15 miles south of Logan, which is where we were at. We were going out in Logan at night. So I drank. I was drinking in the afternoon. I drank that night. I mean, that was it. I was drinking because in, in that's how that's how I dealt with stuff in life. That was my form of, of enjoyment. That was how I had fun. Like the thought of getting together with a group of friends and not drinking just made no sense to me. And the thought of drinking one beer made no sense. Like, why? It's like taking one bite of a donut. Like, why would you just take one bite? It's a good analogy. Right. So, bar closes up and uh, head home. So, at this point, my car is parked down at Stubby's house, the other Malachi. And... um the car I was driving at the time was a, an old um, Honda Accord. Super dark tinted windows, had a busted taillight. Um, so all the markers of not being out at 2 o'clock in the morning. But in my arrogance, because I'd been doing it for the past nine years. You're invisible. I'm good. I'll take the back way. You Cop, know, because Cops never think of no, that. No, no, I can outthink the cops because I'm drunk. And I can think clearer than I am. So, <laughs> my wife had told me when I headed out, don't drink and drive. I can come get you. And I remember, this is back in flip phone time. I had yeah. to have my phone open. And I was going to call her. But I was like, I wanted to go over to Speedway and get something to eat. Roller dog. No, at the time, they used to have these uh, rib sandwiches. I have no idea what it was made out of. Probably the local dog. <laughs> McDonald's <laughs> brings those back once oh. a year. They're uh, called the McRib. <laughs> they're glorious. Uh. And uh, 
Man, I'd take I'd take Cool Ranch Doritos and crush them on there. Get me a Mountain Dew. I had me a system in my car, crank up the tunes, and I was looking forward to my drive home. This is what I was going to do. So I remember thinking she can come get me, and I thought, Nah, I can make it. I can make it. So I go get my food, hop in the car, and uh, I'm heading out of town. And I remember thinking, like, ooh, like this is a this is a good drunk. Like I'm having a hard time, you know, seeing and keeping things. But that's I'll make it. It's no big deal. Um, so I head out, and I'm taking a back way. Now, for those who don't know, the back way is literally another road that goes right beside the highway. So. Stadies can see another car that's on that road. So I come I come up to the final stop where I've got to go over the overpass and get on the highway. So I come up and I, I, I go over the overpass and I see a car come up the off-ramp uh, on the same overpass. So I'm turning left. They're coming up on my right-hand side. And I look over, and it's a steady. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Of course, it's not my fault. Hmm. So at the time, I, and I always say this, I wasn't a believer, but I blamed God for everything. Hmm. So hmm. it was one of those things like, of course, it's going to happen to me. So I pull over, and in my ultimate wisdom, I'm like, I'm going to beat him to the punch. All right? I'm going to go ahead and pull over, and I'm going to act like I have car problems. I'm a mechanic. I'll hop out real quick. I'll toss my keys into the passenger seat, and I'll hop out and I'll pull up um, a plug wire off real quick. You know, I pulled over. You know, he didn't pull me over. This was in my ultimate wisdom. <laughs> All right. He walks up. I can only imagine what I smelled like. Uh, I'd been drinking for most of the day. Talks to me, asks me some questions. Then he wants to give me a field sobriety test. And then I'm like, ah, I don't know. So I'm trying to, my lawyer brain kicks in. I'm trying to determine whether I should take the test or not. He's getting kind of irritated. I start to get irritated because when I drank, if I went too far, then I was like really angry, aggressive. So we get into a decent size argument. He threatened to tase me if I didn't make it a, a decision. Uh, so you're thinking, how bad will that hurt? Yeah, I'm yeah. drunk. I probably won't feel it. So I agree to do the test. Fail. I'm getting arrested now. OMBI number four. When I pulled over, and part of my plan was I'll call my wife. Oh, man. She'll come get me picked up before I get any further, and he'll let me go. Well, the timing of that was, you know, it was God's timing because it was impeccable. Hmm. So I remember I'm standing at the the back of the cruiser, and he's turned me around to handcuff me. And as I'm standing there on the, on the side of the road, and I'm handcuffed, my wife drives by. Hmm. So... Um, you know, with the cruiser lights on and all the other, I mean, they can light up a, a scene pretty good. 
I still remember the exact look on her face. Um, we had a, a beagle at the time, Fletch, and Fletch was sitting on her lap when she was driving. Um, you know, she she has this old white long sleeve t shirt that she still she still wears. She still has it. So I can remember like what she was wearing. Uh, we had a we had an old uh, uh, ninety eight Honda Civic. She was driving. Um, I mean, it's just it, it's like a mm. time stamp in my mind. Mm-hmm. But I remember like the hurt and fear in her eyes because she's now seen her husband arrested. Uh, she doesn't know what's going on because when I called her, I told her I was having some car problems and to come get me. Um, so this is all kind of new in her head. And I remember that was the first time that I really saw like what I was doing was hurting someone else. Mm-hmm. So... But I'm just filled of alcohol and anger. So they put me in a cruiser. They take me. Um, they take me in. Now at this time, it's two o'clock in the morning. So this is Easter. This is now Easter, 2007, and I'm heading to jail again. So they put me in a drunk tank, and I got to stay there. Um, and just to, to keep this podcast as as PG as possible, I was in there with another guy, and that was very uncomfortable. But I just, I, I mean, I'm laying on a concrete floor, and I'm just like, man, like, here I am again. Of course, I, at, at this point, it's still not my fault. Oh, no, absolutely. Right. So they finally get, I finally get my eight hours of being detained. My wife can come pick me up. She's sitting out in the parking lot like I'm walking out. I'm hungover. I'm super tired. She's crying. She's upset. She's, she's been up all night because she doesn't know what's going to happen. Her husband's in jail. Um, you know, not a common thing that most wives deal with. Um, and I mean, we had a hard conversation at that point. But so the God factor still hadn't really kicked in yet. It hadn't kicked in. Over the next few days, through some of the conversations that her and I had, taking notice of what the day was, I remember I remembered back earlier in that night. So like I said. Easter was kind of the theme. So I was out with a um, close buddy of mine, Swope, who's you know part of the group here. And I remember at one time I looked over at him just in kind of a just joking type of way of saying, do you really think he rolled that rock away? Mm-hmm. Referring to Christ rolling the stone mm-hmm. away, you know, because it's Easter and stuff. And, and this is back, you know, part of what we had talked about with when they were on, like they had this foundation, this base of, of, of Christianity. So he knew exactly. And his response to it, although he wasn't pursuing Christ, following Christ, he wasn't actively, still his response was like, you should, like really, like you don't say that type thing. Mm-hmm. My response was nothing because I didn't have that base. My response was I didn't believe... You know, these were all fairy tale stories. 
Um, you know, God's never done anything for me. So hours later, I'm standing on the side of the road, and this starts this process, this this, this road that I'm currently on now. was started at that point. Over the few days of conversation is when I start to realize that for me, I kind of felt like God finally said, all right, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. Enough's enough. Um, and I, I, and I look back on it now and I kind of think there had to have been times that God was laughing going, <laughs> you have no idea what you're going to do for me, even though you have, <laughs> you don't believe in me whatsoever. Mm. Like, um, and this is part of the reason why that like, the story of Paul or the story of Peter kind of really resonates with me mm-hmm. because um, like I didn't go around and kill people like Paul. I'm not trying to compare myself that way, but to go from somebody who was a complete non-believer and actually did things that were specifically against God yeah. and for God to just be like, you have no idea. Mm. So that kind of started me on the, on that road. Now that being said, it wasn't like I quit drinking right, you know, at that moment. It wasn't like I woke up the next morning and and, and saw the light and the heavens opened up and I knew mm-hmm. it was a process. But because of that is what got me to go to church the first time at LCC. Um, because of that, it started to make me see that my actions are having an effect on other people. It was because of that is when I started realizing that I have an issue with alcohol. All right. It's not the alcohol's fault. It's it's me. Um I can't I can't control it. I can't handle it. Just like with any addict, it, it didn't I didn't release it over night. Uh, it took a process. But that being said, for all of you for all those people who don't believe that God can completely deliver you from something, I tried to remember this morning before coming in, when was the last beer actually in any kind of alcohol whatsoever that I've had? And I actually can't. I don't know when the last time was. Um, I don't crave it. My wife's one of those people who can have a beer at night. She likes the taste of it. She had one last night. Not one time did it ever come into me to say, man, I'd like Mm -hmm. to have that. But here's the other thing too, and this is how I know God has has delivered this from me. Two days ago, I talked to you. I was having a horrible day. Jokingly, I sit make the comment about going to the tavern, but in no like, that's not where my mind goes. You were going for a tavern burger. Amen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cheesy tots. But it wasn't. I'm just going to go get drunk. Right. Like. That's not something that you humanly can come can overcome. Mm. So when you look back at markers in your life and you want to see where God has worked, and, and for those of you or, or some of us who you need to have that proof or confirmation, mm-hmm. you can't completely move remove this without having God do this for you. All right. We were in group the other night. One of the things that one of our brothers has as a weakness is whenever he starts to get really stressed or angry, pornography 
becomes very, very tempting for, mm. for him. And I remember when he was talking, I was like, it was the same thing. I was like, I can't even remember the last time that I had that temptation. Praise the Lord. And, mm. But it, it, it's not because I just willed it myself. Mm-hmm. So those are the two things, alcohol, pornography, that I like to share with people when they ask about what's God done in your life. Because I know people who have struggled with alcohol their entire life. And they just can't. And then I look at it and say, but I don't understand how come, not overnight, but over a short period of time, it was just taken. Um, so, so that was my experience with alcohol. Now, that being said, I don't have a problem if somebody drinks. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem if I walk into a room and people are drinking. Um, I just know from my experience, it's just not something that's good for me. And then the Lord just kind of one-upped it and said, you know what? I'll just take any desire from you anyways. I mean, honestly, if I'm going to sit around at night, I'd rather have a Mountain Dew than I would have a beer anymore. I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't have any. So for those of you who are listening, the topic today is going to be alcohol. How's the church handled it? What the church has done good with it? Where they failed? Um, how family members have 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 reacted to stuff, um, you know, what it's like growing up as a, a, a kid who has a, a father who's an alcoholic, mm-hmm. um, you know, what it's like to, to fall back and forth between, you know, being stressed and, and, and having four or five beers at the end of the day. And then the, the perspective of, Never drinking at all. So, so that's going to be the kind of the perspective around the table today. Um, I just wanted to kind of open up with where I was at and what my experience was. Um, alcohol controlled my life for many years. Um, I I spent time in jail because of it. I lost my license because of it. I spent thousands of dollars because of it. Um, Look, I had some great times with it, um, but some of the worst times was with it too. So I, I think it'd be good to maybe uh, set some uh, uh, a foundation. I think, and and there may be discussion for this too, but I think it's pretty clear biblically it is a sin to become drunk. Would we all agree? I think I think it's fairly clear in Scripture that drunkenness is sin. Mm-hmm. Um. Agree. I would agree with that. Um, and that's very clear. Um, I also think that uh, if you are feel personally convicted or a pause in the spirit saying, hey, this may not be for you, that if you can continue down that road, that um, your relationship between you and God is yours. But I would, instead of just continue going down that road and drinking, even if you're not getting drunk, Maybe he has something better for you, uh, and maybe you should de- dig deep into your relationship with God, saying, "Hey, do you want me drinking at all?" Because um, he may not. Um, 
And that's between you and the Lord at that point. But listen to the Spirit and listen to God if you have a relationship with Him. And He's giving you pause about the alcohol you were drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, I think there's a lot of room for discussion here and we can all share our stories and um, kind of bounce off of each other, you know, where we think what we think about alcohol and its place in our life as a Christian. So, J.A. Sir. Your experience. Yeah. Yeah, I um, lived in Southeast Ohio my whole life. I uh, um, have lost countless members of family that I've never met before due to alcohol-related issues. Um, early deaths, car accidents, um, lots of abuse. Um, and, you know, my, my dad lost his parents both by the age of 24. While he was in Vietnam, his brother and his niece died in a drowning accident. And so death was something that he experienced um, a lot of at an early age. And growing up in poverty, growing up in Southeast Ohio, where, you know, there wasn't a lot of opportunities and there still struggles to be lots of opportunities. Um, he struggled on how to cope with that, right? How to cope with that much death around him, that much um, confusion, that much pain. And unfortunately he would, he would drink as, you know, to help numb that, to help numb those senses, to help. And he was a happy drunk. He wasn't, you know, a a mean, abusive, I'm going to beat people up. Um, you know, he was the guy that, you know, he worked hard seven days a week, you know, and Fridays after six o'clock, he was the guy at the bar that was buying everybody beer, you know, and he would come home and hand mom a paycheck that was a little light because he had stopped it (laughs) at, uh, you know, at one of the animal clubs, as I call it, the elks, the moose, the eagles, or, you know, any (laughs) of the clubs. (laughs) I've never heard that before. Um, And so, listen, I, I knew what it was like to grow up in the bars, right? I mean... We would go in with that. We would shoot pool. We would, you know, I shot pool in the Bush Pool League well under the age of 18 um, and got looks all the time uh, for that and was told, you shoot your game and you leave. And I would wink and say, okay. And then I would be sitting at the bar with, with dad, you know, or or he'd hand me, you know, a couple bucks to put in the jukebox to go play his favorite songs, you know, stuff like that. So, um, I think it was the camaraderie that dad really liked. I think mm-hmm. it was the, yeah. the fellowship. I mean, we weren't raised in church. We didn't go to church. If somebody was married or buried, that's when we went. Um, we would go on Easter every once in a while. You know, my grandpa would drive the church van and we would typically be fixing it the night before so that we could go pick people up for church. Nice. Um, and, and so that was just sort of the life we lived for a while. And, um, you know, listen, I I can vividly remember being woken up several times uh, in my early childhood years. I'm talking seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And it's time to get up and go find your dad. Mm. We're not sure where he is, right? He didn't come home. And sometimes it would be he's kind of hanging out by the vending machine, by the pot machine at Kroger, right? 
That's where he walked from bars to find a payphone, and he was just sort of leaning up against the wall. Sometimes it was you're pulling him out of a bar, right? Um, and so, you know, when I started getting older and started hanging out, you know, shooting pool more and trying to do things to, to you know, just hang out with pops, you know, um, you know, one of those DUIs, which he got six before he figured out it wasn't for him. Uh, I was with him in one of them, you know, and I can remember mm. being escorted home in a police car mm. uh, while they hauled dad back to jail. Mm. You know, I can remember visiting my dad because the sixth one got him six months mm. in jail. Wow. Ooh. And here's my mom with three kids and she's working side jobs, cleaning houses, trying to scrape together enough money to keep the house or to keep the lights on or, um, and he's sitting in jail, can't provide for his family, paralyzed, uh, because he's trying to numb his senses. He's trying to not deal with sins of the past. He's trying not to understand that life is but a vapor and that we need to be very intentional about how we live every moment. Um, and so we, we knew at an early age, uh, and I say we, my brothers and I have two, two older brothers, um, that this was a, uh, not the lifestyle, uh, at least I did, that I wanted. You know, I made a decision at a, at a fairly early age. Now, listen, I, I went down that path. You know, I, I can tell you at 14 years of age that you can fit 72 Miller high life long neck bottles and an average size Nike duffel bag. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Oh man. You know, because listen, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? That's what my dad did. So look, he could drink six, eight, 10, 12 beers and whistle Dixie, shoot pool, beat people up. I mean, you name it, he could do it. Right. Alcohol just didn't seem to quote unquote have an effect on him. Right. And so, you know, when you have that root of alcoholism in your family, your tendency is to lean into it and not away from it Mm -hmm. because it's all, you know. And so, you know, look, I can remember being, uh, in, in detention the first day of 10th grade because a buddy of mine, uh, and I, you know, polished a few off the night before the first day of school. And we carried our books to school in an empty Miller high life 12 pack. That was our trapper keeper. Uh, that was a champagne of beer. We, we didn't even That's make true. it in the door before the principals grabbed us and was like, okay guys, this is how we're going to start your sophomore year off, you know? Um, and so that was sort of my experience growing up. Drinking was just part of it. There was always beer in the fridge. There was always access to it. There was always a bottle of liquor under the sink that you could, you know, chug a few drinks out of and backfill it with a little water to play the game that I don't know where that went. Why does that not taste like 80 proof? I don't know. <laughs> you know, you, you learn to play those games, right? Yep. And so fast forward to, you know, I'm 21. Um, you know, we're, we're going out, you know, to the clubs or whatever, to bars, uh, in, on the weekends, you know, you're, you're living for the weekend. I'm, I'm playing in a golf uh, league on Tuesday nights. It's nothing to get, you know, four or five, six pack, you know, on, on a golf night. It's, it's, you know, it's like those things like I can't go fishing unless I, you know, fill in the blank. I can't play video games unless I have, it, it was that sort of thing. Right. Um, 
But I remember when I came to know Jesus, I was, I was 21. I, would, I had gone on the Southern Ohio Men's Emmaus Walk. Um, my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife of 18 years, had uh, encouraged me to go. We had long talks about Jesus and about the Bible and how, um, you know, God's love for us could, could, you know, cleanse you of anything. His son's blood could do it all. And I didn't fully understand that. So this Southern Ohio Men's Emmaus Walk was a short course in Christianity. Uh, ended up giving my life to Christ there uh, when I was 21. And, and really, looking back on it now, I was headed down a path of, of mm. what my family relatives from the past had gone down to, I'm sure. And I remember standing at the, at the front counter. We were, you know, we were getting our keys to the golf cart. It was about time to, to tee off. And my buddies, who I'd always drank with, were getting beers. And I remember, I, I'm not saying I heard God audibly, but I heard him in my soul. Mm. say, this isn't for you anymore. And I remember getting to the counter and I'm like, I'll just take a bottle of water. And the guys were like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you're not drinking anymore. I'm like, no, man. I said, listen, I had this experience over the weekend. I'm in this relationship now with, with Christ. And, and I'd love to talk to you about that, but listen, this isn't for me anymore. It brings no joy to my life. It brings nothing good, right? And I remember really getting hammered about that. Like mm-hmm. that guys were just ribbing me left and right. Um, and I remember going home and, and open up my Bible, which was something that I didn't do growing up, but now um, in this relationship with Christ and, and learning how that God speaks to us through the Word. I remember turning to 1 Peter 4.4. 4. And it says this, it says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, Mm. and they heap abuse on you. (laughs) Now, if anybody thinks that God doesn't speak through the Word, Mm. I would challenge you, to tell me why out of all the books in the Bible on that night, I flipped to that verse. Mm-hmm. And that was God putting his arms around me saying, listen, this is going to be tough mm. and you're going to take some lumps, um, but you're going to stand your ground for me and I'm going to bless you for it. And, and I'm telling you it, that it's been a long time. It's been 40 plus years or 30, sorry, 20, 20 plus years. I thought you aged aged a lot since your last (laughs) birthday. And, you know, it's it's just a decision, a a personal conviction. Um, I think the statistics of of alcoholism and and what alcohol does to not only your body, but your family, Mm -hmm. um, those around you, there's so much collateral damage. Alcohol doesn't just affect the single person, right? And so you, you haven't had a a drink since then? No. Okay. So as it stands right now, you don't, you don't have any alcohol whatsoever? No. Okay. And one thing I've told my, my boys, I've sat them all down we've had many, many conversations about alcohol. And I said, listen, you will not open the refrigerator and see alcohol and be faced with that temptation. You just won't. 
because I can remember stealing beers. Mm-hmm. Sneaking beers was as easy as sneaking cigarettes off my parents, you hmm. know. Um, but I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household where my mom didn't drink. Every once in a while, she would indulge in a strawberry daiquiri, right? Just to sort of, I don't know, fit in. Um, but she she was the rock. She never never touched it. She understood um, the pain that it could bring and, and the separation uh, that it caused between her and my dad. Now, thank the Lord, you know, my dad came to Jesus about 10 years ago. Mm, and um, he, he doesn't indulge in alcohol. Every once in a while, if we go to a restaurant, he'll have a beer. Um, but... You know, and he's got a lot of he's got a lot of shame from those years, mm-hmm. and he's got a lot of uh, uh, mending uh, to do. But it, it's just one of those things that, you know, when you when you really look at, it, I would challenge any believer, any any believer in Christ, how does this glorify Jesus? How does this make my relationship with Jesus stronger? You know, when I when I think of my boys coming in, um, let's say we're all four hanging out at my house and we're just pounding beers. My four boys don't, or my three boys don't come in and they don't see strong men of God, Christian men in fellowship with Jesus, trusting and obeying the Holy Spirit. You know what they see? They see four guys pounding beers. And they see, and they say to themselves, I can't wait until I'm old enough to be able to do that. Hmm. So you've, it, you've aged 20 years and gained another kid during this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But here's the, so, but I grew up in a house where there was no alcohol. Hmm. I mean, my parents never drank. Actually, my mom drinks more now than she did when I was growing up. Mm. And she's in her 70s, which well, is fine. I mean, it's not like, you know, don't get me wrong. You gave her a lot of reasons to. Right, so. right. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Um, you know, I, I've i never seen my parents drunk. Mm. So that. Um, my biological dad's a whole other story, but, but the household that I was raised in with um, they, they didn't. I didn't have it in the fridge. It wasn't a temptation for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't drink in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, the Marine Corps introduced that to me. Mm. Um, you know, so now you have to deal with, so now there's the, okay, well, it was forbidden for me, so now it's the forbidden fruit. Yeah. Um, and then. It's funny, it's the so same if you struggle look, Eve had too, wasn't yeah. it? But then if you look at my wife, she grew up with it. You know, her parents don't have a drinking problem, but it was in the fridge. Mm-hmm. She had easy access to it. She snuck some here and there. She hasn't she didn't have a problem. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of I think a lot of it has to do with individuals on that. Um but yeah, I mean, when you mentioned that, I thought yeah, I didn't have that temptation either. Like it wasn't something I had to fight. I didn't drink in high school because I didn't want to be like my dad. That was it. That was the reason why. But sometimes you still end up. So my dad was in the Marine Corps during Vietnam. I went in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, my dad had some issues with alcohol. I, I ended up, you know, so I headed down that same road. 
Um, so, but it was just one of those things that popped in my head when, when you had mentioned that, cause I didn't have that struggle. I didn't grow up going into the bars, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I, I didn't have, my parents didn't hang out with their friends and drink. That's yeah. not how they relaxed. I mean, the, the atmosphere that you've created for your kids is the atmosphere I grew up in mm-hmm. minus, you know, the, the Christianity, because, you know, right. we didn't go to church. But the whole, any kind of relaxation, alcohol, anything like that, that, that was the house I grew up in. We didn't drink. I didn't drink. You know, I had buddies of mine whose, you know, parents, when I was in high school, like, they'd buy beer for, you know, everybody had to give them their keys. You weren't leaving. You're staying there. But, yeah, I mean. And, and you know, where, where we're at now as a society, and uh, – I'll just throw my hat in the ring here and start stirring the pot. (laughs) You look at wineries now are a sophisticated, classy (laughs) option. Yeah. Uh, Especially. It's a bar. Yeah, I got a newsflash for you. It's a bar. I don't care what you paint while you're getting drunk. Right. You're still getting drunk. Right. And, you know, you were talking about traffic and 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 being pulled over you know i I pulled up the national institute of health just some of the statistics they have on alcohol related deaths and the economic burden and the global impact of alcohol and in 2014 this is the latest stat alcohol related alcohol impaired driving fatalities accounted for almost 10,000 deaths and that's 31% of overhaul, overall driving fatalities. And so I ask you, do you want to have a hand in... Listen, we all know that when we die, we stand before the Lord. And he's going to ask you one question. What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? You're either going to enter into eternity with Jesus or you're going to go to eternity without Jesus. And that's the reality. I don't make the rules that's in the book. You can choose to believe it or not, but every one of us will stand before the Lord to account. Do you want to have a hand in sending someone to hell that doesn't know Jesus because you had to have a couple sips of beer, a couple bottles of beer before you jumped in the car. And here's the reality of it. The reality of it is this. We think we have a handle on it. Listen, I know how many beers I can drink before I'm drunk. Well, I would tell you that science tells otherwise, okay? I would tell you that for the average person that is the social drinker, it's not as many as you think before you're impaired, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I think of you know people in my family who their source of income and living depends on like a CDL driver, a commercial mm-hmm. driver's license. Yeah. That's now, gone. Do you want to risk yeah. being able to provide for your family over a few Bud Lights at the bar? But I, but I, I think it goes... I don't want to go too far from this because I, I want to go, go to you, Matt. But... Alcohol is is a mask for something else. That's it. 
So a lot of people will look at it and say, I need to deal with this and the risk. Dealing with this, I'll take the risk of losing this, though. Mm. I mean, because they do that calculated risk every time. I mean, we know people who we know people who make their living driving a truck. Mm-hmm. And they're not unintelligent people. Right. Right? Right. They know. Mm-hmm. We all know. If you get pulled over, you're going to lose your license. Yeah. All right? Depending upon which number it is. If, a CD, if it's a CDL, it's gone. Yep. And a CDL license isn't an easy license to get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a cheap license to get. But people say that this problem is bigger and worth more to try to mask than what it is I could lose. Mm. So, but that's a different, that, that, that's, that's a road I want to go down today, but not right now. So, what's your experience, Matt? Where were you? How, how was your household raised? What's your, what's your daily thought on where you're at with your family? So my, my childhood was similar to yours as um, neither of my parents drank. My mother's parents, um, they did not drink at all either. Um, I came up under the ideas that if you drank or you smoked, you were going to hell. Uh, I can remember I always got a kick out of going to my mother's sister's house in Sugar Grove on holidays because they had a beer in the they had a fridge in the garage full of beer. <laughs> and uh, when I'd ask my mom, when I would ask my mom, that was the gateway to hell. I was asking my mom like, <laughs> why do they have this fridge full of all this beer? I mean, it was all neatly rode like on MTV Cribs, like you know, like there was the Miller High Life and and like there was the Bush, and and um, there was the uh, like Schlitz and oh, we're and, going back. Oh yeah, and so my mom would go. Well, they're Lutherans. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never forgot that because I've gotten older. Um, you know, as I got older, um, and, you know, my, my grandparents were, were Christians, my mother's parents, and, of course, my parents were Christians. Um, and so, you know, as I got older, I started to understand, like, for the most part, most of the people that my parents grew up around like that I came up around that the come they were all friends in the church most of those people in that small methodist church that I grew up in did not drink at all um so where am I at today um I do drink um I I had a maker's mark and coke last night before I went to bed I had one um I, I do occasionally drink beer um, a couple of my older um, kids, um, they, they do have beer. Um, do I think that Jamie's view is wrong? Not at all. Mm. Not at all. Do I think it's affected him and his life differently than mine? Yes. Do I believe, as we sit here right now, do I believe that if a person is a follower of Jesus and they drink 
whether it be a Corona or they drink Miller Lite or they drink a margarita. The Covey? No, not the Covey. Wrong oh, <laughs> Not the Covey. One, that's, with, one that's, with lime. Yeah, one with lime. Uh, corona with lime. <laughs> that they are going to hell. No. Do I believe there is a certain line, though? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, as If you've listened to this podcast, uh, if you've been a loyal listener, maybe we have one of those out there, you might remember that I'm an ER nurse by trade. Have I seen the devastation that alcohol can rip through people's lives? You bet I have over and over and over again. Whether that be cirrhosis, whether that be um, in regards to mental health, Mm. um, I mean, a lot of these things all have one thread in common, and it is alcohol. Mm -hmm. Do I think alcohol is probably the greatest unprescribed medication in the world today. You bet. Yeah. You bet it is. Um, have I ever had a drink to use as an anesthetic? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah I have. Maybe not physical pain. Um, so, you know, I, I see it a little differently. Um, I don't use this verse as an excuse, but, you know, we talk about, you know, how sometimes Christians want to, we call it, use the marketplace in scripture. Mm -hmm. Paul did say, have a little wine every now and then. Again, I'm not using that verse as a, hey, get out of jail free. You were able to go just get hammered at the winery. I'm just saying, I don't think that Jesus goes, ah, you know what? I'm going to take away your salvation because you had a Miller Lite today. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a balance in everything. And just for me, the one thing that I would challenge you to say is, you know what? If, if alcohol isn't a problem for you, you don't drink at all, that, that's great. And where I would ask love and, and mercy, the fruits of the Spirit, into believers that do drink are, don't put yourself in another sin because you're looking at a brother or a sister down because they, they do drink. Sure. And I say that lovingly, yeah. not, not just to, to all of you, but to anybody who's listening. But don't get me wrong, I do understand the devastation that can come with it. Mm. Um. You know, and I would hope that uh, to all the people that are listening, that they hear this conversation that we're having today in a loving way as believers, Mm. no different than number 27 podcast that we had. Mm. Um, I think we were a little more energized in that one. Um, What I hope people hear here today is it can go really, really bad one way. I think there are some people who, who are in the middle with it that that have a balance um it was just interesting being brought up in that whole mindset of well you know if you if you drink you know you're going to hell Mm. and i don't really know where that came from like i don't really understand that background per se obviously there's all kind of scripture that talk about drunkenness and Mm -hmm. everything that comes with it Mm -hmm. because usually jamie in that scripture you read Mm -hmm. Usually drunkenness led to the orgies. Led, I mean, else. like, 
there was all that trickle down yeah. in there. And so I'm sure that's kind of where that mindset came from. But this might be another podcast, but, you know, because we're talking about taboo subjects, but, you know, like I said, I was kind of raised that, you know, if you smoked, you were kind of in the same boat. Mm. Now, granted, people who smoke Marlboros don't get into DUI accidents and die because they smoked a Marlboro. Mm-hmm. But if you would go down that list of what smoking would give you outside of all the medical conditions and blood pressure pills and everything else, um, a lot of those things go together too. Yeah. No, they do. So, um, yeah, that's my story. Yeah. Yeah. I listen, I've, uh, and I'll just, I'll, I'll say this. And if it didn't come out in my, my story, you know, I, I, I don't walk into a room where people are drinking and automatically start judging people. Um, people make their own decisions. They have their own convictions. Um, and, and that's fine. I'm totally comfortable. We, we go set, you know, for dinner somewhere when Sean goes and buys me a steak and Matt wants to have a beer, I, you know, he's my brother in Christ and I'm not, you know, judging him as a result of that. Um, I do have people that say, you know, and people would say, well, Jesus's first miracle was he turned water into wine. How can you have a stance against alcohol? I'm like, well, let's think about that. You know, Jesus's gift to all those people was taking water that was impure and full of microbials and everything else that made sicken them. And he purified it, which is just what his blood does to each one of us who are filled with sin at birth. And, 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 and I, I hate when they go to that story because yeah. that there's so much more meaning yes. mm-hmm. behind that story yeah. than just the turning water to wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, going Context. all the way back with the, the relationship that Christ's mother had with the mother of, yeah. of, of the wedding part. I mean, just there, there's so much more context that's just lost in that story. When you just boil it down to just that, yeah, and and where my heart is in this is, is for that that mom or that dad who every night when they rush the kids off to bed so they can sneak down and have two, three, four, five glasses or a bottle of wine, right? Because listen, I'm here to tell you that you are trying to fill your life with something that will bring you relaxation pleasure, joy, completeness that is never going to fill you. And, you know, if that's you, if you're one of those listeners, I I would just challenge you to take it to the Lord. Where are you at um, with having to have something to make you feel complete? Yep. And I would say this, um, and I want to turn the mic over to shine here. Um, I would say, because my mother used to say to me, Mom, I love you so much. <laughs> she would say, I would, my, my point as a teenager, and this was kind of in my rebellious years where I wasn't really sure God was God. My point to my mom would be, Jesus drank wine. And she would say, no, he wasn't fermented. My mom would always say, and it was very diluted. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. It was 20 proof. You know, um, do I believe that Jesus drank Welch's grape juice? No. No, I don't. 
do I believe Jesus drank wine, fermented wine? I do. And I have no doubt that wine that he turned from water was probably the absolute greatest wine. It'd be a $10 million a bottle today if it sold. I believe that. Mm -hmm. But I also know Jesus didn't gather to 12 around and say, dude, let's just start. Let's tie one on. Yeah, let's just start hammering down bottles of wine. I don't believe that either. All right, Shine. Well, mine is I know actually, your story is different than all of ours. It, it begins somewhat similar to Highness. Uh, I grew up in a Methodist church as well, and, and I don't know if I remember hearing them actually say both smoking cigarettes and drinking at all is a sin, but that's sure how I felt growing up. Hmm. Uh, I definitely had that, you know, and, and I, as a teenager, I would hang around some of my buddies who did drink, and... Um, short of somebody thinking it'd be funny to swap my regular lemonade out, lemonade out for Mike's hard lemonade, um, which I realized real quickly that it didn't taste like lemonade and I got real ticked and almost went home. But uh, I've never had alcohol, but it did stem from, you know, I knew God at an early age, um, but I had also had been, you know, I don't know if taught, but just had that feeling of, you know, impressed upon me. Well, if you drink alcohol at all, you're, 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 you're sinning. That doesn't, and that didn't necessarily mean that I thought they were going to hell, sure. but that drinking alcohol at all was a sin. Um, and there's been a lot of growing in my life to, to see past that. And I do firmly believe that having a glass of wine is, is not a sin. Um, and so much so that I've actually, um, you know, it started out as, well, I don't drink because it's a sin, and that's not something I need to do with a relationship with God. Um, as I grew older, you know, I realized that it's more complex than that, that absolutely drunkenness is a sin. So getting drunk is just the wrong thing to do. Um, but, you know, I started thinking, well, maybe, maybe, you know, one beer is okay or one wine is okay. Um, now, to, to today, I still have never had any kind of alcohol, but... Uh, there's curiosity. And even in my marriage as an adult, there's been some curiosity with me and my wife. Um, you know, I honestly think that if Kelly said, okay, you can have, uh, you know, go ahead and try a glass of wine. She probably would. Um, she trusts and honors that I think it's not best for our family and mm. she doesn't. Um, and I love her for that, that trust that she has in me for our relationship with each other and with, with God. Um, but I've been curious. Um, we've actually, she actually, even one time when I said, I think maybe brought some alcohol home. We ended up never drinking it. It was in the garage. And I, I didn't want it anywhere easily to be seen. And she really didn't either. She, we didn't feel comfortable with our kids seeing it, mm -hmm. kind of where you were at, Jamie. Yeah. Um, so, and having that feeling um, of where I, where I felt having our kids see it. Um, knowing that I personally have a history of addictive tendencies, uh, my dad has, um, and, and different facets, whether it's money, wanting to spend money, whether it's, uh, uh, pornography, uh, or, or other things, you know, even, even non, um, negative things I can over, I'm really good at over, um, studying something, you know, if I want to buy a new soundboard, I could spend five hours one night looking and 20 different soundboards and what's going to look work best for me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I have those qualities. So I'm like, you know, he may not think that having one drink is a sin, but I don't know if I could stop there. Um, and I may 
be able to. But I decided I'm not going to take that chance. I don't think it's wise for me to partake in any kind of alcohol. I don't want my kids to see it. So, you know, that's where I have landed as an adult with alcohol. Um, and I have a couple other things with that. Uh, and, and it might challenge, you know, what your perspective is, Matt. Um, and certainly, it's the wonderful thing that we get to do here. We can share our experiences, share where we're at, and we can have a conversation about it without being judgmental on what one of us do versus the other. Because right. the wonderful thing is, I absolutely know all of us here have a great relationship with Christ and a continual growing in Christ. And so I'm not worried about it. Mm-hmm. You know, God convicted me not to do it at all. Um, so at this point, if I were to have a drink, I think I would be sinning. Not because I think if anybody drinks, they sin, but I know that God has called me to, you know, I have enough other obstacles that I'm trying to overcome I with have my relationship with God. in my life. <laughs> yep. I don't, I don't want to add one that I thought, oh, well, maybe, maybe, maybe just one drink. Um, I do worry a lot with the culture that we live in today and what a lot of people align drinking to, even if we're having one beer, uh, what people take at that and uh, you know I can't control other people's thoughts and I know some people do not like to try and just jump on the train where you know do not cause your brother to stumble but uh, for me personally I am very very sure that I do not want to have any kind of alcohol I don't want anybody to see me have any kind of alcohol because I don't want it to hurt my witness even if it's not my fault that they'd take one drink and think that he I'm a drunk Um, it's just something that I've just crossed off my list you know but I have a great issue with food and people can see me down a uh, double cheeseburger with giant onion rings and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. queso. Mm-hmm. Got queso on that burger. <laughs> there was queso on that That's burger. That's what I thought. Preach I've never seen that picture. But, uh, you yeah, know, I'm not going to drink my calories. I'm going to eat what you're eating. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we all have our, our strongholds and I have chosen just not to let alcohol be it. And I worry a little bit more about alcohol because, Man, it, you know, I may get a little bit of an endorphin push from that big cheeseburger, but when I'm done with that cheeseburger, other than maybe re- regretting because my stomach is gro- is uh, yelling at me, I'm not going to have uh, any kind of mental change of cognitive ability of decision making, mm-hmm. um, and that that really does scare me with alcohol. You know, and it's it's a sincere question. I don't have this answer. It's a question for you guys. Where is that line from having a couple of beers to being drunk? You know, are we going to think of it statistically? Is it, as soon as we're at point oh eight, does that mean now I have crossed that line and now what I've done is a sin? And I think maybe that's different for everybody. You know, sure. that's what we have that personal relationship for. But I do worry that, you know, even if you're not getting drunk, are you substituting what God can fill you with with that even one one beer uh, because it takes that edge off. Just the one. It takes that edge off. Um, now, I do the same thing with food. Boy, I'm good at taking the edge off with just having a, you know, pouring a whole bunch of mini corn dogs in the air fryer. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's comparatives. I think my biggest worry is the mental changes that alcohol can do to your brain uh, uh, momentarily or permanently. That's my greatest fear of it. And the way that at least in the U.S., the culture we have with, you know, one's never enough, that worries me. You know, um, we, we've we talked in many of these previous podcasts, Sean and I, um, Ron Grubb 
Lancaster Community Church founder, uh, was our mentor. And so, um, you know, I, I was always kind of wondering where Grubby stood when I came back to know Jesus. Um, and, you know, that was something Grubby never really talked about. And in one Sunday, he said, you know, Marilyn and I, we would love to have a glass of wine. We would love to. We'd love to be at Olive Garden and have a glass of wine. He said, but I really feel that God has said to me, Ron, would you want somebody to not come to know me because they saw you drinking some wine at Olive Garden? Mm. And so for him, that was his stance at the time. Now, I don't know if that's changed, but I know, you yeah, know I mean, it, that yeah, was he, something he talked about. And so, Adam, something that you pointed out to kind of challenge me, I hear you. And, and trust me, if, if somebody came to me and said, you know what, somebody told me that they, they question out of the boat ministries because they saw you having a beer at the Hocking Hills Golf Club. Would that, would that disappoint me? I, I, yes, it would. I'll be honest. It would. It would. Because I would not want somebody to hear about Jesus from anybody at out of the boat because somebody saw me having a beer somewhere. So I don't want anyone um, in this room or anyone listening to think that I guess I haven't thought about that. Maybe that sounds selfish, but I, but but I I I, I hear that, mm-hmm. um, and I respected that from Grubby when he talked about that. You know, here's something else I want to bring up: is we as a culture have um, embraced, normalized, promoted. Um, the alcohol lifestyle, right? Mm. You know, um, beer is too grungy. Go have a glass of wine. Wine is too classy. Well, go have a white claw. It's just like a spritzer of water, you know, with a little bit of alcohol (laughs) in it. Right. And, And yet if I, if I came to any of you guys and said, you know, if I, if I flipped it around, right. And I said, well, instead of, you know, I had one or two beers, it was, man, I did, I did a little heroin last night. It's just, a, it's a little bit, it's not that, not that much. I've got a handle on it. I would hope, and I know that you guys would be all over me. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, do you have any idea the destruction that could bring? And what I would challenge is, man, alcohol brings similar destruction. Mm-hmm. It's addictive in nature. It ruins your body. It can ruin your career, your marriage, your family, your spiritual life. And so I, I just, I don't want to, I appreciate what you said, Adam, because it is a, a witness, whether we like it or not. And we've talked about this before. We're seen in the community with an out of the boat shirt on. You're representing Jesus. Mm-hmm in everything that you say and do. So if you're cutting someone off, if you're rude in line at Kroger, if you're flipping people off in the drive-thru <laughs> because they're not getting your cheesy tater tots to you fast enough, they're seeing out-of-the-boat ministries, and they're seeing, and that's why I don't go to church, and that's why I don't love Jesus. <clears throat> and like it or not, that's your life witness. <clears throat> so... A couple questions have come up while I've listened listened to you guys. So one, Uh (laughs) um, why do you drink? 
All right, why do we do anything that we do? There's a, there's a reason for anything that we do. So, you know, why, why did I, why did I go to Taco Bell and get a breakfast burrito this morning? How was that breakfast burrito? That was good. <laughs> it looked delicious. Sausage? Sausage. This, that's the kind that has the hash brown already in there. Oh, yeah. You. It's good and crunchy, oh, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that. It was yeah, for a reason. Mm. Okay. My wife and I had this uh, discussion last night. Our dog just got done eating. And, uh, you know, she's just licking her chops. And I said, eh, how's that? How's that dinner? And my, my wife always does this joke where she's like talking for the dog. <laughs> and uh, so she does this voice where she's talking like the dog and said it was the same as breakfast. And it was the same as dinner last night. And it was the same as. And I said, you know, you know how much easier it would be in life and probably diet wise if we just ate the same thing over and over. But the problem is we've been given so many choices and we've had so many different flavors that we don't know any different, all right? So there's a kid that I work with, 21 years old. He's never had pop before. Mm. He grew up in a a house where his parents didn't let him drink pop. And now he's to the point where if he's had it before and he just thinks it's disgusting and he just has no desire for it. Mm. Good for him. I wish I could have. Right. Smart man. Right. I mean... So you look at his parents, you're like, "Mm, really? That's kind of, but you know, so that being said, like we eat foods because of, we don't look at it for the nutritional value. I mean, there's some people out there, but the majority of us look at it as because this is what I, Mm. I eat it to enjoy it. Right. So everything that we do, we do for, so what is the reason that you drink? Is it because you like the taste Mm-hmm. Or is it because there's something that you're dealing with? And I'm not just I'm not asking this question directly to you, Matt. No. I'm just asking this question to somebody in general. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because that that question there is I think the difference between somebody who's drinking as a sin and somebody who's drinking as yeah, I like to just have a glass of wine. Mm. And then they have no issue with alcohol is not an issue in their life. They can go without it. They can have a drink. They can, it doesn't, it's not something that is taking the place of what Christ should be doing. Mm. At the end of the day, if you have to have a drink to relax, in all honesty, where should you go to relax? Sure. At the end of the day, Mm. if you're stressed and you have to have a drink, in all honesty, where should you go? But that being said, if you have to have a piece of cake, yeah, yeah, if grab you those have, chips that's in the closet, right? If you have to smoke that cigarette, cigar. So I think the sin factor comes in whenever you have to take any kind of substance. X. It's not that cigarettes will lead you to hell. You're going to hell because. It's because if you're using that in place of where Christ should be, now you have an idolatry problem. Now you're putting mm-hmm. something where Christ should be. Yeah. That's what we all struggle with. All right. That can be that can be sports. Mm. Yeah. That can be porn. 
That can be alcohol. That can be food. That could be working out. Mm. It could be working. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so now where I think the church has failed on this part, and when I say the church, I'm not, I'm not talking about a specific building church. Yeah. I'm saying us here, all right? is introducing these people to Christ and letting them understand that this thing that you think you need to take away your anxiety, your anger, your frustration, your your stress, mm. that thing needs to be Christ. Let me that say relationship, it. and that's where I think where we've dropped the ball on introducing people to Christ. To, to introducing them to a relationship. I mean, that was what I loved about the original slogan for LCC or mission statement. Yeah. It's about a relation. It's not about, it's not religion. It's about a relationship. And I mean, that's, that boils it down, but people don't have that relationship and they need to fill something in their life with something to numb their pain, not understanding that they can give that to Christ and Christ will take that from them. The one thing I was just thinking about that I just want to put out there, if you're on a prescription medication for your anxiety, I would challenge you to think about, is that is, does that make it different? Because my doctor prescribed this medicine for me. You want to know a fun fact? The company of Bayer, it makes Bayer aspirins. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the 1700s, they actually had a uh, uh, heroin that they prescribed to people. Let that sink in. Coca-Cola was called Coke for a reason. For a reason. Right. Again, I'm not saying, I don't bring that up to say that you take prescription medicine for anxiety, it's bad or you're bad. Or I'm, I'm saying that on the back of what you're talking about is because it's prescribed from a physician doesn't mean that it's take... I mean, that's still taking place as something where the Lord could step in and work. Mm. Because your doctor gave it to you doesn't mean it's a get out of jail free or whatever. Like, the Lord can work in those areas too. And I, and I say that specifically for anxiety because that's personal in my home. Sure. Mm. That's personal in some people that, that I know in, from, from the work environment. Mm hmm. And I believe we have heard from, from our ministry and from the people around us, whether it be in our churches or some of the different concerts that we've attended where some, some people talk about anxiety and fear is overwhelming individuals yeah. in our neighborhoods right now mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I don't know if it's the new spirit in town, that that's the new ploy of the enemy, but I would tell you this, I believe... Um, medication for anxiety has to be probably in the top 10 prescribed medications right now that we're Easily. currently seeing. But all, all of it is trying to fill a void yes. of something that's empty, something where you're upset with, something that you're, you know, so like the biggest thing that I deal with right, right now that has me on the, the verge of anger, frustration, depression when you boil it down, is contentment. That's mm -hmm. it. Now, Paul's talked about this. Scripture is very clear on this, okay? That's where I struggle. No medication that I'm going to take, alcohol, tobacco, 
prescription. It's going to get me to the point of contentment. What is, is me going to Christ and saying, this is where I'm struggling. Now, I've already started off the podcast by telling you he's delivered me from alcohol. He's Mm -hmm. delivered me from pornography. Mm -hmm. But so many of us think, well, he can't do this, though. The Mm -hmm. doctor has to do this. Mm -hmm. So maybe if we viewed some of these things in the same way, and that's where I'm saying this is what the church needs to talk about, okay? Are you going to be cured because you have one prayer on your knees about anxiety the next day? I'm sure there's some probably have. Maybe not. Maybe this is a process that God needs to take you through to root some things out. And I think also as the church, we've talked about it as men, the church needs to come to the understanding alcohol, heroin, cocaine, pornography, food, gambling, the list goes on. Addiction is addiction. If a man tells you, I'm struggling with porn. Ladies, I don't want to see your eyes roll. That's disgusting. All that. Because it's the same addiction. It's the same spirit that says, I'm addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted to gambling. I'm addicted to porn. It's all the same. Mm -hmm. And so what happens when the ladies give the eye rolls and the, that's disgusting when a guy gets up and says, I've struggled with porn in my life. Other men in that church see that and they hear that. And what do they do? They don't say a word. They don't say a word. And okay. it just keeps on festering and getting bigger and bigger. Right. But what I would we need also to be is embracing these people, no matter what right. they say their addiction is with the love of Christ. But on that same how many people are sitting in the congregations who had four beers last night, six beers last night? Yeah. They didn't go out to the bar. Right. They didn't get in an argument with their wife. They didn't do anything bad. They sat and watched TV, sports, movie, whatever. Are they going to stand up and say, I have a problem with alcohol? Right. Well, I'm, I go to work every day. I pay my bills. I, I don't beat my kids. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible. I don't drink and drive. I've never gotten pulled over. I know plenty of people who drink all the time and have for many years who never have. Like, that's not always the marker. It's not always the marker that you've lost your job. But the question is, why do you need to have those? Would you sit down and have six Cokes one night before bed? Mm. Mm. Would you even sit down and have six glasses of water? No. <laughs> okay. Mm. But so many people will sit down and have four, five, six beers. Right. Mm. Those are the people, too, that are going to go, like Jamie just said, underground. You want to judge people for, but they're doing it for a reason. Sure. It's finding that reason, rooting that out, because they're substituting that where they should be putting Christ in. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else. You know, I, I don't do it with alcohol. I don't do it to, with tobacco anymore. I don't do it with porn anymore. But I do it with food. I do it with anger. Yeah. I mean, there's no drunkenness that I ever got 
that gave me the high that an anger explosion does. Mm-hmm. There's not. Um, so that can be an addiction too. So do I think there's plenty of people out there who can have a drink and have no issue? Yeah, there are. I, I live with one. Um, do, do I think that there's going to be a day where we're going to be invited to an incredible wedding feast that's going to be put on by Christ? And do I think that there's going to be wine there? Yeah. And if Christ sits down at a table across from me and hands me a glass of wine, do you think I'm going to drink it? Yeah. And do you think all these people who say alcohol, that hard line, you drink alcohol, you're going to hell, do I think they'll drink it with him? Yeah. Um, But that is over fellowship with Christ. Don't skew that line and thinking that because you're, you're, you're painting a pretty flower and you're drinking wine, that it's okay. Mm. You know, because it goes back to the relationship part. I think um, if, if people are listening and they think, well, all right, so wrap it up. What's your point? The point is no different than the point of a lot of the things we talk about. If you have a problem with it, Take it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you don't know, if you have a problem take it with to it, the Lord. Yeah, take like it you to the Lord. said, Adam, you know, take these things before the Father. But also, having discussion about it, I mean, that's why we came here today, because yeah. we want to discuss it. We wanted to talk the pros and the cons, maybe not pros and cons per se, but the different angles, how it's affected your life, how it's affected all of our lives differently, how we see things differently. Because we know this is going on in a lot of churches. But here's the other thing we know about. In today's church, not talking any specific church, the Church of Jesus Christ, not the official church of Latter-day Jesus Saints? Christ. No, not the Latter-day oh, okay. Saints. Not Mormons. But a lot of the things that aren't being talked about, that's why we're talking about them here, abortion, alcohol. I mean, we've got some other ones coming, but the church isn't talking about it. And so in turn, if it's not talked about, then where, where are people at? I mean, obviously these are things, as we've discussed here today, that are impactful in every person's life. Mm. lives. So this is the thing that, so there was one thing that you said, Jamie, that, was, that it makes your household and what you're doing different than the one I was raised in. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it. Ah. Mm. Yeah. All right. Great so, point. It's the, you've explained to your boys, mm-hmm. here's why. Here's where we're at on this. But this is what I love about our God, okay? This isn't a cookie cutter, mm-hmm. all right? My relationship is different than your three, all right? My kids are different than yours, where you're in your walk is going to be in a different spot than right. where I'm at in my walk. Maybe, maybe he's laid this on you, Adam, because it's not about you. Mm. It's about one of your kids who may have the real mm. struggle with alcohol. Yeah. You know? Um, so, 
having each individual relationship is going to make each one of our households different. Mm-hmm. Do each one of our households try to follow Scripture, though? That's where yeah. it... So, to draw that hard line to say any alcohol is... All, I, I can't find that. Right. We can all agree on the drunkardness because that's mm-hmm. clear in Scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's and, nothing clear in Scripture that says you must raise your household this way with no... No, there's nothing in Scripture that says that. Mm. What we do have is a group of people who have a relationship with Christ, and Christ has said, you want know Matt? Here's how I want your house to be. And Jamie, this is how I feel yours needs to be. And Adam, this is how yours needs to be. Um, but again, it's taking the time to go to Christ and say... This is not my family. This is your family. These are not my kids. These are your kids. Mm. What is the environment that you want me to raise them in? Mm. That's what it boils down to. Take it to the Lord. You know, sometimes we say that in kind of a smart way. Like, if you don't like what we're saying, if you're having parenting, if you have any questions about this topic, what you should do, how you should set, take it to the Lord. Mm. Yeah. If the Lord is okay with my wife having a beer here and there at the house and us having a couple beers in the fridge, then that's okay. But if he's convicted you and your wife that that's not the line that you cross, then that's okay. That's mm-hmm. what you have to follow. It doesn't make mine right and yours you know, right. wrong or vice versa. So that's the thing, like trying to, and and that's the relationship part. This is where we move from religion to relationship Mm. because each one of our relationships, each one of our relationships with our wives are different. Mm. Each one of our relationships with each other is different. Mm -hmm. Why would it be any different with Christ? Each one of our relationships are going to be a little bit different. I'm going to put out the constant reminder to all there is no sin that you could have committed under the guise of alcohol that the blood of Christ couldn't cover. Mm. There is, if you're out there listening, you think, yeah, you don't know that I did this one time or I did this or I'm doing this. That reminder is, you know what? Jesus loves you so much that he died on the cross. He shed his blood, his innocent blood in my place, in your place for no matter what the sin was, his blood covers all. Mm. But there has to be repentance there. That's right. There has to be that relationship where you come to him in recognition of your mm. sin and in turn, uh, turn that over to him. And uh, he promises that he will forgive you for that and he will help you work through wherever it is that you are today. Mm. And, and I just got to, couple of things kind of wrapping up where my perspective was um and you know it, don't be surprised if you know god may not convict you now but five years from now god may convict you say hey mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's time to put that up um and everything that i said earlier really kind of comes down to the only worry i have with alcohol is the mental effects and the bodily effects it does compared to say something like food you know, for me, that was my biggest scare. I, I don't want something that, you know, even if I just have a beer, 
you know, is it going to change? And I don't know, because I've never drank. So this is why this is my perspective. But even if I have just one beer, is it going to change my logical thought processes when I make decisions with my family? Uh, you know, if I have a beer or a yes. wine, is it going to I'll ch- answer that for you. Just, yes. Even just one wine, is my, could my decision on what my daughter was asking me after that glass of wine be different than what it would before the glass of wine? And if that's the case, man, that, you know, and I, I, and Matt, you know, and Sean, you know, you know, by all means, am I not pointing things out that you guys do differently? This is just where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. know, that scares me. That scares me a lot. Even if I just have one beer and I'm able to only have one beer or one wine, what's it, it, it? Does that distance me from God more? Because my mind is not, maybe not just, just the slightest bit less clear when I'm trying to run my household and my family. That is, that is only, that's my biggest worry about alcohol. But, but I think it's been very, I think it's very clear, especially with the two of you sitting here, that Christ was very clear with you. Yes. This is what you need to do. Absolutely. The same way with JA. Yeah. This is very clear. Now, down the road, may that change? Yeah. yeah. Um, but as of right now, um, that's where it's supposed to be. And yeah. again, it may have nothing to do with you. Sure. I mean, this may be because your youngest may end up having that addictive gene, right? Where Christ is, is looking out for him now by setting the platform of where he's... I mean, you don't, you don't know, but this is what he's laid on your guys' hearts. It's not what he's laid on mine and Matt's hearts, but it's what he's laid on your hearts, and you need to honor that yeah. and go on for it. So... Um, I I don't I don't have a problem. I mean, it's it's yeah. nothing different than the Lord lays on JTB's heart to go out and actively evangelize. He hasn't laid that on my heart. Sure, it's just not like I I don't have I don't feel I need to be walking around downtown at two o'clock in the morning talking to anybody. James feels that that's what he needs to do, mm-hmm. so that's what James needs to follow. Yeah, and to kind of you know wrap it up for me, it's. I want to speak to the men um, that are listening because as men, we are called to lead our homes biblically, uh, spiritually. We're, we're called to provide, protect, and defend. And look, you may be working a full-time job. You may be busting your butt at work. You may be uh, buying a bass boat, making sure your wife drives a new car, uh, making sure your kids have the best clothes. And, and that's all well and good, right? And you're chasing after that dream. But I'm telling you now, if you're falling short spiritually, mm. if you're not living up to the standard that God throws out there in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, to be on guard, mm. to stand firm in the faith, to be courageous, to be strong, to let everything you do be in love, if your six-pack a night is affecting your ability to be those mm. things, you really need to examine that with the Lord. I think that's spot on. Mm -hmm. Amen. Bobby Allison brought it today. (laughs) Man, it's coming around. Turn four, coming to the finish line. Talladega. Yeah. Daytona, actually. I remember that great uh, video of, uh, it was at the Daytona 500 when uh, there was the crash and the Allison brothers were over there tag teaming. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yep. 
Um, I hope it always comes across. Um, if there are women that that listen to this, that that's great. Um, you know, we are a men's ministry, um, and th- that is the heart that the Lord has given us. That's what He's laid on our hearts to challenge men. Um, so, but I do hope this comes across. Um, you know, to women that we know they struggle with this too. And we know that there, uh, there's leadership roles that they have. Um, and we know that there's, and there's plenty of them who they're the only ones in the home because dad has left. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. And, uh, and we're trying to get those dads too. Mm-hmm. Um, but our heart is for the Lord and for people to have relationships with him. And our heart is to challenge men. And I thought Jamie's um, analogy on that was, was very spot on. There, was a, there is a great responsibility that's give, been given to all of us, especially any of us who have a family at home. Um, don't take it lightly. If the Lord lays on your heart to, do, to have your household a certain way, listen to him. Mm. It's that way for a reason. Um, and as always, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to yeah. talk about it, yeah. if you don't like any of these stances, uh, if you don't like the last podcast, um, if you don't like the future podcast, it's not even out yet. We would love to hear from you. Um, we would love to talk through any any conversation you'd like to have, whether yeah. it be personal, about the Lord, about your job, whatever it is, reach out to us, um, whether that be uh, on Facebook um, or on our online, you know, account as well. We'd love to hear from you. If you want us to contact you, and, you know, please drop us a note with a number, and you'll hear from us. Um, money and the abundance that we live in. <laughs> oh boy, number twenty nine. As individuals and as the church. Oh boy, this one's gonna hit right at home. Number twenty nine is going to. That'll be a dandy. Scorched earth. Yeah. <laughs> Old school Kevin Harvick episode. Number Oh, yeah. Number 29 for sure is Kevin Harvick. All right. <laughs> let's wrap this up. J.A., you want to close this up? Yeah, let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to get together and just be open and honest and transparent yes, about um, not only our relationship with you, but uh, our, our relationship with uh, each other, with our brothers mm-hmm. and sisters in Christ. And God, I just, uh, again, it's heavy on my heart to just challenge the men that are listening to this podcast. When, when God came to the garden, he asked Adam, where are you? He didn't mm. say Eve's name first for a reason. Mm. God knew that it was Adam's responsibility to watch out, to protect, to defend, to provide. And Lord, so I speak to all those men. Uh, God's bar, his standard is covered in the velvet of his grace. Mm. If you're falling underneath that, if you're not reaching it, there is hope. You can be restored. Uh, You can be forgiven. Uh, You can have encouragement. You can have uh, faith and confidence that you didn't even know was in you. Uh, But you need to surrender to Jesus. You need to confess. You need to repent. You need to wake up every day and say, I'm going the opposite direction. It's Mm -hmm. not a natural response. We're born into that sin. And so, men, I challenge you, if you're listening to this, reach out. We meet on Thursdays at 630 here at Out of the Boat. If you can't make it, 
continue to w- listen to this podcast, drop us a line. But Jesus, I just pray that you uh, send this message to those who need it, to the men and women who mm-hmm. are struggling in this area that can find faith, hope, and encouragement through the stories that we've shared today. God, we ask that you season this podcast with your salt, Lord, that, that, that the seeds that are thrown today would find fertile ground and be rooted in a firm relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. 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 You've been listening to Cast the Net, a production of Out of the Boat Ministries. For more information, follow us on Facebook at Out of the Boat Logan or visit our website, outoftheboatministries.com.